0: It's a remarkable honour to be able to welcome Morgan Freeman to the Canadian Club. Just as remarkable is the reason he's joining us today, not as an actor, but as an activist. Last year, Mr. Freeman made history and the news when he offered to cover the cost of the prom at his old high school on one condition, that it be racially integrated. Federal courts had focused at four schools in Charlestown, Mississippi to desegregate in 1970, but no judge had ordered the high school proms to do it as well. And, as incredible as it seems, in this day of multiculturalism and global integration, they hadn't. Mr. Freeman had first made the offer to Charleston High School in 1997. It was declined. But in 10 years, and a whole new group of graduates later, he tried again. This time, they accepted. Conditions and all. So, as one of the last barriers to integration finally began to crumble, our second guest today, Emmy Award-winning director Paul Saltzman, moved to Mississippi to cover the event. The film that grew out of their collaboration, Prom Night in Mississippi, debuted a few weeks ago here at the Toronto Film Festival to rave reviews. To tell us about this fascinating film and the even more extraordinary process that led to its making, please welcome Morgan Freeman, Paul Saltzman, and our moderator of today's program, CBC correspondent and Canadian Club member Amanda Lang. Please welcome all three to the program. <clears throat>
1: It's a great honor for me to be here. I know what you're all thinking. Ha!
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's it's especially extraordinary because the film is extraordinary. Um, so I think before we begin our conversation, welcome to both of you, first of all.
3: Thank you, thank you.
1: I want to play the trailer of the film because it really uh, Paul put it together. I think it it uh, gives you a good sense of what we're talking about.
4: So let's start right there, if we could. Mississippi has got to get over the racism. There's some hard-headed people in this town. I'm not just saying whites or blacks, I'm saying a little bit of both. My first reaction to it was like, she's white, my parents gonna freak out. I can't get a job in some places in town because I have black friends. Why are you still going back to this same attitude that you had 50 years ago?
3: I guess you'd consider me a redneck. I don't change for nobody. These are shackles. These are still chains we have around our souls. One of the things that surprised me most was the fact that they have separate proms. One white, one black. How stupid can that be? The white parents wanted us to go to the white prom this year. Why act like that? I mean, they were all, all proms. So I have this proposal. You don't want to have a prom instead of two or three? I'll pay for it. Deal?
4: What's our limit?
3: What's your limit? Two hundred dollars.
4: <laughs> when There's a chance for you to make a change. Why not take it? Our town is changing a little part of the world right now. Why would you want to have a prong separate? They stupid. I don't see what everybody's problem is. It's supposed to be equal. I think we might have a little problem. As far as I'm concerned, they can. They can kiss my ass. I just learned to love people for who they are and not for the color of their skin.
3: If it's left up to the kids, it's gonna be fine. I want y'all to understand.
1: could uh, lend your name to many a project, and I'm sure that many a project comes knocking. So I want to start with why this one? What was important about this that you would put your good name uh, and attach it to it?
3: Yeah, well, um, let me just clear up. This is not my old high school. I didn't grow up, grow up in this town. I grew up in the town of Greenwood. Uh, but the same situation applied when I, that was 55 when I graduated. In this situation, uh, I, now it's the, it's the 21st century, um, the world has changed around us. Uh, so I just felt that it, you couldn't let that go on. Somebody, you have to talk to these kids and say, you know, you don't want to live this way. The rest of the world is way ahead of you, you know? So, and you know, kids don't, they don't want to live that way. So it was easy.
1: Paul, tell your story. You were in Mississippi for another reason and came to this film kind of fortuitously.
5: I thought for a minute there, I could start with my mom and...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give us the abbreviated version. Um,
5: Well, for me, this started in uh, 1965 when I was, um, in fact, in 64 when I was deeply impacted by the murder of three civil rights workers in the summer of 64. So in the summer of 65, I volunteered for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, which was the same group they were in the summer before. And I spent three months in the uh, Mississippi Delta uh, doing voter registration work. Actually, I was based in Greenwood, the same place Morgan went to high school. And in 2006, I just was interested in how things had changed and not changed. And I wasn't thinking of a film at all. And I went back just to look around. And we met through a common friend.
1: And the project, um, did it unfold the way you expected, Morgan?
3: I didn't know what to expect. Um, and the serendipity of meeting Paul and having that grow into something even bigger than I was planning for it to be, uh, I don't know, all that added a little bit more to it, and I think specifically for the kids.
1: On the ground. We're going to show some um, short clips from this film. Uh, Those of you who haven't seen it yet, you can see it. It's opening tonight in Toronto. And I'll tell you about a benefit that kicks it off this very evening. There's still a few tickets left. Uh, But it's going to play now uh, to limited distribution in Toronto, and we'll give you those details. But was it difficult, Paul, getting access, getting into the school, getting to the kids to talk? Were they they wary of you and your camera?
5: Um, Once, once Morgan put the offer back on the table. <clears throat> excuse me. The school board wanted to meet me before agreeing to let us film, before agreeing to give us permission to be in the school grounds, and so um, before we, Patricia and I, headed down to Mississippi, I had to pass through their their concerns and their biggest concern, really, if you boil it all down, was was I going to make fun of them? Was I going to shame them? Were we there to criticize? Look at how bad you guys are. And um, I just reassured them that that was not in my mind whatsoever, what we wanted to do, Patricia and I, was follow the process. Whether it was integrated or not, we didn't quite know when we started. And either way, it was about if we let these young people express themselves, their own feelings and attitudes, it would be an encouragement from our point of view as producers of a movie. For other young people to consider their own attitudes, their own beliefs, their own prejudices. So that's what we did. And was it hard to get access? Once, once, the reason we moved down for five months and lived in rural Mississippi, um, in redneck country in the hills, because that was the only place we could find a place to rent. It it so happened to be the town of Casilla, Mississippi, which is the crystal meth capital that's out in the United States. And um, we, we moved down for two reasons one was it was more fun as filmmakers to get to know people to be in the community it was also more important as documentarians to not just come in and out come in and out which is the way news always works to just be there and it was important most of all for the people to get to know us and see us every day in the restaurant on the street in the subway sandwich shop on the main square and that way the kids got to be familiar with us
1: Let's play the clip of of the offer that Morgan makes to the kids. I want to talk about these kids, but can we have that first clip, please?
3: There was another hand went up back there, and then I'll get you. Yes, ma'am.
4: So, Mr. Freeman, why exactly are you doing this?
3: I live here. I think it is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of that in this time, this period in our lives, you children are being brought up this way. I just, it hurts me deeply. You say, well, where do you live? I live in Mississippi. Mississippi? <laughs> yeah, there's a problem there. Well, you know, yeah. So, and then I have to report, well, I, yeah, our kids, we live in a very small town and our kids go to separate proms. So, well, can you explain that? No, I don't want to explain that. But I do want to end it. And from what I'm hearing this morning, so do you. Am I right about that?
4: Yeah. Yes. Sir.
3: Excellent. You'll do it. I'll write the check. So any more questions?
4: What's our limit?
3: What's your limit? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to set a limit. Oh. You set it. Ooh.
1: I, I need to ask how much you end up paying.
3: <laughs> I think it was about seventeen thousand.
1: That's not insignificant.
3: Yeah, it was a good buy, actually. I think. <laughs>
1: do you do, let's let's go there? Do you feel that? I mean, you made this investment in these kids. You took your your personality and your charisma to them. Do you feel as though you've changed them forever?
3: Oh yes, yes. Um, in the sense that. They, together, as a group, I lose track of what words I should be using to say what I want to say here, but it was courage that they expressed, that they all stood together and did this, against parents, against school board, against tradition. Uh, They'll never forget that they did that and survived.
1: There were some... uh, There were tensions... Oh, yes. There are tensions in the film. There is still racism in Charleston, Mississippi today.
3: Intolerance, a certain kind of intolerance. It's, uh, when we say racism, generally, we try to look at it from one direction, but it flows in two directions.
1: Paul, tell us about what you think has evolved in this place. and I put. Because we talked before, but this isn't—it's tempting to think that this is a story of this one little backward place, full of backward people, and Barack Obama's America. This is just an anomaly. You don't think that's true?
5: Well, Patricia and I are a little bit fond of saying that we don't believe there's a single human being alive on the planet who has zero prejudice, except maybe Morgan. Or And maybe, you know, when we're little, when we're that little, we don't see those things. We don't see color. But, um, well, I have a friend who's on the board of Mount Sinai Hospital, and two weeks ago he was at a reception, and a top surgeon started complaining about Jews and said to him, I hope you're not Jewish. So, you know, this is, this is universal. Uh, there still is a Nazi party in Canada. It may not be big, and still is a Ku Klux Klan in Canada that's being tracked. It may not be big. There's... 900...
3: (laughs) I am prejudiced. Yes. Uh,
5: The Southern Poverty Law Center in in Montgomery, Alabama, who did the study guide for our educational DVD package, uh, tracks 936 hate groups in the United States, and we figured, how many are there in Canada? 50? 100? So, you know, we can always look at the other and say, you this and you this, but as it says on the front of our website, nothing changes till you do.
1: I want to play the, the clip. As the movie unfolds, one of the tensions is that there, there will still be a white prom, a white-only prom. This is a meeting uh, of, of the gathering pre-prom.
4: The white parents wanted us to go to the white prom this year. And I said they would pay for us for free to go and everything. And we went to a meeting, and it was me and Jessica the woman's house that we were at, her daughter, was being threatened, so-called being threatened, because she was racist. And she just was talking about, in this and in that. And the way the parents used the word nigger and was being mean and just saying that their children couldn't be around them and didn't want them around them. They were talking about how niggers wasn't going to grind up on my daughter, and they wasn't going to run up to them and dance up on them. That's just not have. We're not going to have mixed babies in my family. We decided to leave. My fiance got up and
3: left first. The way they were just talking, I just, you know, we just walked out because, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Why I act like that? I mean, they were a prom. They
4: Niggers just ain't going to be her. running, yeah. rubbing up on my daughter at no prom, and it yeah. ain't happening in this house. As long as she's living with me, she will not attend a mixed prom. That's not how we raised her. <laughs>
1: it's difficult to find anything redeeming about people like that. Is there, I mean, it's tempting to write them mm, off and say maybe when they're dead, this will pass.
5: I know, but um, um, I'm smiling because if we look at the racist in a pejorative way, how are we different than the racist looking at the black in a pejorative way? And so, you know, I'm I'm a believer in Gandhi. You know, you embrace people as best you can with nonviolence and love and eventually that mirror actually
3: stops it eventually. Uh, Mandela operated the same way. Uh, but you know I'm not either one of those. I don't have that sense of it at all. <laughs> I, I don't I don't uh, I don't have the capacity, I don't have the depth to accept other people's hatred. You know, if you, if you hate Generally, you maybe you're ill. Who knows? I don't know. But it's, I don't know how you condone it in any way. And you're not talking about condoning, you're just talking about embracing someone who needs it. Understanding it. Yeah. Not to be understood. And also, it's important. I understand why you don't like Jews. You do. Explain it. (laughs)
1: Morgan is, as most of you know, playing Nelson Mandela in an upcoming movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's due out December 11th. Can you think of a better person to play Nelson Mandela? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I mean, other than Mandela.
3: And it's a good movie.
1: (laughs) But you do have this, you do play character, I mean I shouldn't say you're typecast because you've done a full range, but When I think of you, I think of you as somebody, your characters are wise and they have a great deal of forbearance and they, is that you? Are you like that inside? No. No.
3: I am an itinerant actor. I am nothing more or less. Uh, The image that I put forth to people, it's great. And when I get out among people, I try to keep it in place. But I'm just an actor, a little stupid. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I want to talk about Billy Joe. Uh, Billy Joe is a character in this film, in the documentary, who, uh, that's not his real name. He appears behind frosted glass because he's afraid to, to talk. Paul, you, you've had a great deal of time, sort of, to, it took a long time to get him on board.
5: I had a, I had an instinct, and I think Patricia and I both had an instinct that this kid was somebody we had to talk to. And for four months, he literally would go the other way if I had tried to approach him. To the point where I approached one of his teachers, who was not racist. Some of the teachers in the school are racist, um, and I said, "Can I come to your class during class and ask for him, and will you send him out?" I Meaning, can I corner him and ask him if he'll. <laughs> And uh, he said, sure. And so I went and knocked on the classroom door, and he sent the Billy Joe character out. And he came out in the hall, and he said, what do you want? And I said, I'd just like to talk to you. He said, I'm not interested. And he walked back into class. So that went, you know. then we sort of backed off. And a week before we finished filming, um, I was sitting in the hallway of the school. We were on a few minute break, and he walked past. And I said, hey, and I used his real name, of course, how are you? And he stopped and he said uh, okay and I said uh, you know I'd still like to talk to you and he said well maybe and I said well what would it take and he said right away "He said you have to hide my face and change my voice Uh, and I pulled out a piece of paper and I wrote out out a contract a legal contract right there agreeing to that and we went off campus at the end of the day and we filmed this interview (coughs) and he blew us away he just blew us away he's a he drinks too much with his buddies, he drives a truck, he plays sports, and he's got a heart and an eloquence that are just remarkable. Let's,
1: let's play that clip of Billy Joe.
3: Now, we've avoided talking about the sexual aspects of this separation, but that separation is primarily black boys and white girls. It's like this uh, bugaboo sexes just absolutely drowned out common sense in terms of how young people interact.
4: It might be it. It might be the fear of your white daughter conceiving with a black man. That might be the fear. that You're afraid of presenting, coming out, you're white and you have a mixed baby. I've had white lovers as well as black lovers. I mean, there's really no difference. It's all what's inside you, how you feel about that person. That's what the world needs to see. I mean, right? It's not all about skin color. It's not all about what people think about you. It's about how you feel. You're going to do what makes you happy. I'll do what makes me happy. People who try and stop that are the people who are going to be sadly disappointed in the long run. Interesting.
5: Amazing. Amazing kid. Amazing kid.
1: He added a great deal to the film. Um, yes. As you we, as we say, Morgan, you're maybe the second most successful black man in America.
3: After Obama. Right. That's what she means. I know. I know. He, he got I know. the
1: Nobel. After the Nobel, he edges you up.
4: Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> How much racism do you encounter? None. Nothing at all? No. Because you're a movie star.
3: Because I'm a movie star. Right? Everybody loves me. I so I don't represent a threat of any kind to anyone most of the time. Sometimes husbands get a little upset.
1: I can imagine.
3: Um, I'm kidding.
5: I, don't know, I don't know if you actually know this, and I can't even remember if we spoke about it, but um, one of the fathers of one of the kids in the film, one of the kids in the film who's got not a racist bone in his body, and his father's a wonderful man um, who also doesn't have a racist bone in his body, but there still is a white country club in Charleston. You can't go there if you're black except to work. You can't go to a reception if you're invited if you're black or colored and um, there's about a hundred families who are members and one of the the young the young man i'm talking about his father belongs to the club even though he's not racist but he's an avid golfer and there's the golf club and he and his golfing partner another white guy talked in the golf club house one day about wanting to bring morgan on to play a round of golf and at least one of the people there basically in effect said if you bring him on to play there'll be some huge trouble so, you know, that the people, who, the people to whom the color of your skin creates the hatred, the nigger talk, the, you know, Andy, there's a clip you won't see here. Andy, one of the young white kids who's a remarkable young man, he says, uh, he tells a story about, um, basically says, there's still a lot of racism here. Uh, he says, I remember a picture of a hanging on the square, and we cut to a picture, and it's a black man hanging from a tree that relates to the... The narration and then he says a friend of his his grandfather had the most slaves in Charleston actually the most slaves in Mississippi and he lived here and then you come back into the uh, Andy on Cameron. And he says um, there's a lot of white people here they're very racist they wouldn't they wouldn't go and hang anybody they just talk about it a lot they talk about black people a lot and it's like just one of those moments that is just A shiver but brilliantly revealing of of just a narrative moment about what do you mean they talk about hanging black people is that what they talk about a lot which is what he's saying but they wouldn't do it they just talk about it a lot now we're talking about not a lot of people you know there's a white community in Charleston who adores Morgan and and I don't mean that because he's a movie star um, but who are in fact (laughs) I didn't see it but I could imagine Um, (laughs) So there is a white community in Charleston who was delighted that this segregated prom stuff ended. And the white racists in Charleston may well be in the minority of whites. But of course, the fear is very controlling. We went into a gas station one day, Patricia and I, we wanted to film with Andy and Jericho. Jericho's black, Andy's white. We hadn't even brought them into the gas station or into the restaurant of the gas station. I just went in and said, I'd like to, can we shoot a little bit in here? And the guy said, no. And I said, why? And he said, if I let you film in here, I'll lose business. So you're either with us or you're against us in that kind of hatred and that kind of way of being.
1: On a, just on a sort of big picture level, there is a, a black president in America right now.
3: Well, Don't his, say
1: he's not black.
3: I'm not going to say he's not black. OK. But we don't want to completely eliminate half of his parentage, do we? No. But we do.
1: Fair point. However... Go ahead. <laughs> what I'd like Challenge. to know is whether you, whether you think that in itself changes absolutely. the intolerance.
3: Yep, absolutely. I think it changes everything. I think uh, he was elected by a majority of the people. And a majority of the people um, I don't think they're white. Because we have such a large Hispanic and a large Asian uh, I don't maybe, I don't know how big the population of blacks is in, in, in America. But still, he's the popular choice to be president. So that's uh, I think everybody looks at that and says, wow, wow, look what we did. Did you think it would happen in your lifetime? Didn't think about it. I played the President of the United States and nobody blinked, so I thought, yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. yeah.
1: I want to I play one last game. I clip. didn't
3: blink when I played God either. Now, that's not that's... <laughs>
1: Which should you prefer?
3: Which do I prefer?
1: President or God?
3: I, mean, I wouldn't want to be either one. No? No.
1: You can only be one.
3: Well, I, no. It. It's, 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 the president doesn't earn much money, and he's got a lot of problems. God, everybody comes to with their hand out. Give me this, loan me that, help me with this and fix that. Yeah, I say, well, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: movie stars about right right can we play the clip of Brittany's mom so it speaks for itself
3: my grandmother always told us that we were all put on this earth different and when we all start integrating there's not going to be any more individuality and we're all going to be the same and if that's the way God wanted us he would have made us all the same to start with
4: my parents taught me about racism if you're white God wanted you white to be with white. And if you're black, God wanted you black to be with black. And you can't try and change them. Not somebody that's much older than you, not a whole nother generation. You can't change them. They've done live their life, but they try to tell you how to live yours. And that's where the conflict comes in. We can't keep muddling
3: along in the most backward parts of your Psyche, you know, you you've got to break free of this. These are shackles. These are still chains we have around our souls.
1: Did you write? Did you write script for yourself, or is that just how you speak?
3: It's just how I talk.
1: Really? I oh, yeah. just at dinner.
3: Yeah, I never write anything down. I can't. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I go to a function and I'm gonna get, I get a lot of awards for different things. You know, it's like, please come and get this. Award. You go there, and uh, I never am able to write down a speech that says thank you because it doesn't seem like to me it's not spontaneous enough. You know, I can't do it. I would like to (laughs) thank.
1: Just before we finish, because we've got to finish, are you religious? What do you mean? Do you believe in organized religion? Do you no, s- you don't. You no. don't adhere I
3: don't, to. I, don't, I, don't. I hate to answer questions like that in public, but no, I don't. I'm not organized.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because what what we just saw is is actually one of the problems. There are uh, there's a lot of intolerance in the name of different religions out there. How do you, how do we keep the good of religions without checking out how it's been kind of perverted, Paul?
5: How to do that?
1: Go about no, I've, got,
5: I've got a very easy answer. I'm just, it's, you know, it's a delicate subject. I think you forget about religion and you pay attention to spirituality, meaning I do believe that there is a higher force in the universe, call it love, call it God, call it goddess, male and female energy. Um, and, you know, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I know that Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within us. So what does that mean? It means go within, and you will find it all. And that's got nothing to do with out there. It's got nothing to do with any church or any religion. And we don't need anybody to interpret between us and the divine.
3: That's just a business. It's an interesting discussion, isn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What else should we talk about?
3: We talk about all kinds of things. Our time's up. Is it?
1: Yeah, what's the, what's the most personal question I could ask you that you would not want to answer?
0: <laughs>
1: I won't ask it. I'm just curious.
3: And So I won't tell you what it is. No? <laughs> no. <clears throat>
1: Where don't you like to go? Your family, your sex life, your... What is it? No, none of that. None of that? Uh, you don't like to talk about that? No, I don't talk about that. So let's not talk no.
3: about that. Okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't talk about God.
1: No? No. I bet he talks about you
3: it be interesting to hear me, though, I did
1: <laughs> Paul, where's this movie playing? We got, it's, it's opening um, in, in theaters that people can go to and send their friends. Um, so.
5: It's opening for its normal or anormal theatrical run. It starts, like, around now, 1 o'clock. And it's in the uh, Varsity, it's in the AMC Scarborough, the Kennedy Commons, and it's in the Silver City Mississauga. It opens in Vancouver a week from now. It opens in Montreal two weeks from now. <clears throat> and what we're saying to people, is please take your 1,000 best friends. <laughs> <laughs> to which one person said, oh, that's gonna be a hard selection for me. <laughs> <laughs> because the opening weekend is what makes or breaks a film, and documentaries are very tough in theaters. Um, and tonight, may I mention the benefit? Please do. Tonight, uh, our outreach work is all under the heading of Moving Beyond Prejudice, which is our educational DVD packages for schools, which is now ready, and. Our website and our going around, Patricia and myself, screening and talking to young people, we were just at Northern Collegiate this morning in Toronto, Auburn University in Alabama last week. And um, there's a benefit tonight for Moving Beyond Prejudice, which is our, the specific benefit is to put the educational DVD package in schools that can't afford to buy them. We're already getting calls from some teachers saying, I've heard of this, I love the sound of it how much is it and then we we charge a commercial price for an educational package and they said we've got no money. So if you've got money, we didn't plan this, did we? We didn't. It's tonight at the varsity, it's at 6.30 is the red carpet with Morgan and uh, Patricia This is on your table,
1: the information, what it doesn't say is the ticket price which is $100 and it won't tell you that there aren't that many left so uh, if you're interested then, call the number, and uh, it sounds to me like a... Will you be there?
3: Will I be there? You'll be there. Yes.
5: Morgan will be there.
1: So the ticket price just went up to $500. <laughs> 500
5: if you buy through Amanda.
1: <laughs> I think we are out of time. Um, I'm just going to speak for everybody here and say what a great honor it is to meet you and have you here and know about the film, Paul. And uh, Thank you. our thanks to you for your time and your, your effort on this.
5: Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I'd now like to call on Nick Chambers, president-elect of the Canadian Club, to come up to the podium, please.
2: So Mr. Freeman, I would love to have been spontaneous in delivering these remarks. (laughs) But uh, I knew I'd be nervous, so I wrote them down. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I first became involved with the Canadian Club of Toronto about 10 years ago as a speechwriter. It was thrilling to dig into the biographies of prominent figures in search of fascinating tidbits of information that could be used to introduce them. What a relief it is that I didn't have to prepare today's introductions of Morgan Freeman and Paul Saltzman. I wouldn't have known where to start nor finish and I certainly wouldn't have been able to squeeze it all into two or three minutes. I would have had better luck holding out for a role as Nelson Mandela in a Clint Eastwood film. My bucket list doesn't contain even a fraction of what either Paul or Morgan has experienced or accomplished in their careers thus far. Mr. Freeman, you are a model of wisdom and grace on and off the camera. We love you and will relish this once in a lifetime opportunity for many years to come. Mr. Salzman, you are a master of the camera. John, Paul, George and Ringo would still be very proud of you. (laughs) Amanda, we are very lucky to be able to share you with the CBC. You have a gift for bringing out the best and even the most talented of storytellers. And what a story. We can learn so much from the girls and boys of Charleston High School. Who among you would have chosen at 17 years old to bear the poisonous influence of racism in the way that they did? Yet, who among you can deny or who among us can deny that these young people will forever reap the benefits of having faced up to Morgan's challenge? Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in a rollicking demonstration of thanks to Morgan, Paul, and Amanda for sharing a story we'll not soon forget.
0: Thank you, Nick, and again, thank you very much, Morgan, Paul, and Amanda, for your uh, for being here and for sharing some time with us. Um, as Amanda had saluted to the pamphlets on the on the table, what you may need is the phone number. If you are interested in uh, in purchasing tickets, I'll give you the phone number. It is nine zero five nine zero one 905-901-1300. 905-901-1300. 1,300 to order tickets, so I just wanted to make sure that you had that opportunity. And again, I wanted to thank our, uh, our speakers. Thank you, Morgan, for spending the time with us, and most importantly, thank you all for coming. This meeting is adjourned, and enjoy your afternoon. Thank you.